Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast that puts members on the microphone with thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. Okay, we're going to get started. Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining our session, Age of Diversity and the Workplace Design for the Graying Global Workplace. My name is Ross Leibowitz. I'm the Senior Director of uh, Workplace Product at Tango Analytics. Uh, with over 100, hundreds of clients in 140 countries, Tango is a leader in IWMS, Integrated Workplace Management Solutions, providing software spanning from portfolio optimization, transactions, lease management, lease accounting, project management, space management, reservations, and now energy management. We're pleased to sponsor today's workplace learning theater session, and now it is my pleasure to introduce today's speaker, Eric Luckin, who will be speaking on age, diversity, and the workplace design for a graying global workplace. Theme of this year's conference, it was Zoom Out. Uh, the topic I'm going to talk to you about is one of those that you only see if you Zoom Out. Uh, let's see. So demographics are destiny. This is about a 200-year-old idea. Um, but it's, it's that the, the makeup of our populations determines our future. And so looking at what's happening at your population, that changes, is really important to do. So there are two big factors that are happening to the US population right now. We're seeing fewer births and longer lives. We are actually, for a number of years now, the United States has been below the, the, repla uh, we've been below the replacement rate. Um, people are having fewer babies. If it wasn't for immigration, we'd actually be shrinking in terms of population. On the other side of that, we're seeing people living longer lives, as well as healthier lives. And this is largely due to great advances in terms of medicine. Um, over the last few years, particularly during the pandemic, and some of the, there's been some amazing innovations that have happened. And so it's likely that this, this age, uh, uh, these longer lives are going to continue on for some time. No one's sure where it ends. Uh, most people do believe that we're going to have the 100-year life very soon being uh, a, an average for everybody. So when you see these two factors at play, fewer births, longer lives, it has an impact on the population. What you see here on the left is an is a age pyramid. And it's a classic way of showing population. On the left, it's men. On the right, it's women. Each, each horizontal bar represents a five, five years of age, from birth up there to 85 plus at the top. Whenever you've looked at human population throughout our entire history, it's always made this pyramid. Well, with, with fewer children, longer lives, what you see happening in 2018 in that middle is that it's no longer really a pyramid and fast forward to 2060 and demographics are actually it's a very uh, predictive science it's not guesswork um, you see that that pyramid has become a rectangle this is this is largely it, it, it's equal rate age representation for each at each stage of life until the very top and you see also uh, for the age 85 plus that bar is actually bigger than some of the bars be below it so this has never happened this is this is a transformation it has huge societal impacts that we need to look at and i want to say real quick too this isn't just the united states this is happening all over the world the, the global population, the percentage of people age 60 plus, is growing four times faster than the rest of the global population. So um, it, it's happening everywhere. So our workforce is drawn from our population. So when you see something happen with our population, it's going to impact the workforce, and it has. Right now, the fastest growing age group in the US workforce is people age 75 plus, 78% growth. Next is age 65 to 74. So 
it, workers over 55 have always been the smallest percentage of our workforce. By 2032, they're going to be our largest, about a quarter of the workforce. Um, they're going to be globally 150 million jobs that switch to people over age uh, 55 by 2030. Um, so this is, this is kind of amazing for all of us who have something to do with workplace design. This is, these are, you know, the, the workforce are, are the people that we're designing for. So it's really critical to understand changes like this that are happening. So older workers who have historically been overlooked uh, by employers and recruiters are poised to become the driving force behind workforce expansion. So it's, yeah, I, I put the wave on here. It's, it's often called the silver tsunami. And we know that with waves, it can crush you, but it doesn't have to. And I think part of what we have to do is start looking at this older population in a different way. So one of the, the key ties for economic health is workforce growth. And, and talent. Uh, a recent Fortune 500 poll, CEOs see their number one threat being uh, access to talent. And so if you flip that from just looking at younger generations, but younger generations and older generations as a potential for talent, you have, you have a winning formula. And it's not just any talent, um, just as productive. In many ways, uh, there's a lot of, of Actually, there's not a lot. There's not, there's not enough research in terms of older workers. There's a lot in terms of Gen Z and millennials. Um, but when you do find a study, you find that they're a, you know, somewhat more satisfied, more engaged, more loyal. Not absurdly so, but, but I think the point is that there's a lot, there's a lot of, of value in this age group in terms of talent. And in terms of innovation, uh, decades of social science has shown this, that age-diverse teams deliver more innovative solutions. Um, Randstad did a, a study five years ago and, and found uh, people thought that age-diverse teams were more effective. They preferred to work on age-diverse teams. 90% already do work on age-diverse teams. And there's also knowledge continuity. About 12,000 people turn 65 every day in the United States. If they were all to depart, that would be an enormous brain drain for us. Um, so really keeping people around longer can be a key element, as well as focusing on knowledge transfer between generations. Um, and lastly, financial performance. When you keep people who know your organization, who have that institutional knowledge around, it leads to better financial performance. And it's not just what's good for organizations. Uh, working longer is good for people as well. Uh, it's been shown to have an excellent impact in terms of physical, cognitive, and emotional health to work past 65. Um, and also, when you delay retirement, when you continue to, to uh, make money, there's an obvious financial benefit to this. And this is my only downer slide, but I, we really don't have a lot of choice in, in terms of embracing older workers. When Social Security started out, like the first check was paid, there were about 45 to 49 people paying into Social Security for every one person drawing out. In 2030, there'll be two people paying in for every one person drawing out. That is not sustainable. We have to find ways to keep people contributing, not drawing out. So how do we do that? Again, a wave can crush you, or you can ride that wave for speed, for performance. And I'm going to give you 10, 10 ways to, to start doing that. By the way, this is part of a much longer presentation, so I'm rushing to get everything in in 20 minutes. 
But I will say, and this isn't one of the top tips, but I think it's a really important one. When I tell, when I talk to people, particularly younger, younger people, and I say, it's likely you're going to be working into your 70s and 80s, people typically groan. If this is our workplace paradigm, they should groan. This shouldn't be it. And I think we have to remember, at one time, a lot of people thought this was a really good idea. And I think we're always in danger of the next cube farm. I think that there are some post-pandemic strategies right now that could be the next cube farm. We can't let this happen if we want people to stay engaged in the workforce. So the number one tip is to start to include people, older workers, in terms of our pre-design engagements. I do so many next-gen focus groups, and while that's great, and I think there's so much that can be learned from our younger generations, we need to do it on the other side as well. So I've started working with, I, unfortunately I can't say you know, older gen focus groups, but I have started doing tenured worker, and, and I'm learning so much when I do those. The other thing, so interviews, surveys, all of that, use an age lens to understand, to help let these people who have so much experience and so much understanding of the workplace, let them help us set that vision. The one other thing I'm gonna mention on this is post-occupancy, and it's in the pre-design because you've gotta plan for post-occupancy when you start the project out. We don't all of us do enough of this. And the, re the result of that is that a lot of bad ideas are carried forward and carried forward and carried forward. So we've got to do post-occupancy. In, in this case, overall, for, for all our kind of workplace solutions, but particularly in terms of what I'm talking about with age diversity, what, what solutions work? Let's, let's test those and then let's benchmark and carry forth and share that information. The other one is that we really are going to have to emphasize learning. We have to, I think every organization is going to need to reimagine themselves as a learning institution. Um, you know, this old model where we, kind of you graduated at 23 or 24 and that got you through to retirement. Uh, you know, we actually have to have education, especially the 100 year life, think about that. Educated, spr education sprinkled throughout. And I will say like when, you, when older workers are asked about learning, they, they want it um, and they don't get enough of it. Uh, 25 to 34, get about a week of, of learning, training, formal training every year. That's about, just about a day for, for people over age 55. Um, to support people, to welcome older people into the workplace does not mean ignoring the fact that aging has an impact on us. Um, our bodies do change over time. Um, so things like lighting, acoustics, ergonomics, wayfinding, all these become so much more important in terms of an older workforce, but as as so many things, uh, you know, th these actually benefit everybody. When you when you design with that inclusive state of mind, um, you really do. You know, it raises all boats. Uh, and I will say the other interesting thing on this topic too is that aging kind of intersects all other diversity. Uh, elements, um, you're going to have older people within it. And so I think it's an important paradigm as we all kind of embrace more inclusivity to look at age as well. Um, flexibility is going to be important. Most people, you know, uh, like even Gallup has been asking the question, what, you know, what are you going to do when are you going to retire for many years? And just about 25 years ago, about 75% of people said I'm going to retire at age 65. That is inverted now. Most people are, think they're going to work in some fashion past age 65, but they don't want to do it full time. And so offering it flexibility is going to be a really important aspect of this. And I think what's exciting about this is that this is going to be such a large group of people. The demand is going to be so strong. I think, again, I think everyone's going to benefit from kind of this new way of looking at the workplace. You also need to make it meaningful. Um, this group of people, in terms of older workers, are the most likely to prioritize meaning purpose over pay. Um, around age 60, 
before age 60, like compensation is the number one driver. Nothing wrong with that. We all work for a reason, um, especially younger people with student loans to pay off people with families. Money is going to be important. But at age 60, there's a flipping point, And interesting work becomes the number one job attribute. And so the workplace has a huge opportunity there to connect people with what they're doing to, to to share out the purpose, to, to kind of imbue the, the workplace with the values of the organization and to, to really drive into that interesting work element. And also in terms of connection, uh, that, that knowledge sharing between generations, which is so important, it doesn't, it doesn't just hop, happen automatically. So making sure that we're providing workplace environments that support and drive connection between people, socializing leads to better productivity, better business results. And so this is, I think it's critically important in terms of that, that age-friendly workplace. We also really need to challenge stereotypes. The one most pervasive one that somehow, if you if you're, want technology-savvy people, you have to hire young. Uh, and this is one study out of a number, the Digital Dexterity Index. It actually found that people over age 55 are the ones most likely to be able to not only work with technology, but to be able to apply it in an, in an important, productive way. It's called crystallized intelligence. Um, the other thing is to, you know, I have many clients who kind of assume that young people just want to like wander around desk free with a backpack and work anywhere and older workers just want private offices. There is a great, and we in the workplace design, we don't very often ask people what individual space they want because we don't usually want to hear, but looking at something like, you know, what's your ideal workspace? This survey asked that, it's a legit survey, 2,000 people, um, that that desire for a private office was about equal across generations. And so I'm not saying we give everyone a private office, but I think that we need to kind of drop some assumptions of that, that this age group prefers this over that and understand it's probably much a much richer question that. Um, health and well-being, obviously this, this one I think becomes especially important in terms of all people, but in particular older people. And so encouraging physical activity, healthy food options, that type of thing. But I also think there are nuances there that we need to pay attention to. For a long time, to nudge to, to well-being, I used to, I thought it was great that we would put like a single garbage can somewhere or put the printers on the other side of the entire workplace so people had to walk all the way over there. When you put on an age lens, you start, you start to think about some of these dif differently. It's like for someone who is 65 or 70, do we, do we want to have that kind of, of distance in place? And so I think being sensitive to this is, is going to be really important. And this, this is a two-slide one. I think that there, in, in, particularly in some industries, there's a very uh, youth-aggressive approach to workplace design, um, kind of rebel startup, you know, and like that, in terms of this beanbag picture, I don't want a 20-something watching me try to get out of a beanbag. And so, you know, thinking about what our workplaces are saying to people of all ages, making sure that they feel comfortable there and welcoming is something that we, we really need to do. And, and so, this is actually research from, from the Gensler's latest global workplace survey. You know, we, there are commonalities. There are differences between age groups as well. But I think if we focus on things that connect us, and there are so many of them, like being outdoors, um, that we can create, again, a workplace that, that welcomes everybody. This is my friend Doug, who I hope never knows that I'm using him in my old age workplace presentation. Um, and, then, and then lastly, you know, it's, it's, you know I, I, I work with workplaces, so I see all 
workplace design is a solution for everything. It's not. Uh, there's so much that can be done in terms of policies and programs for organizations to welcome in um, an age-diverse workforce, uh, unbiased recruiting processes, um, intentionally have age-diverse teams, you know, uh, phased retirement programs. But if you look at that, this is a 2020 AARP survey, 6,000 organizations. The orange bar is the already have, and in, in every case, it's less than 10%. In most cases, it's less than 5%. There's just an enormous amount that can be done in terms of, of creating this welcoming work, like workplace to tap into this amazing talent pool to, uh, you know, I think an organization who manages to get ahead on this is setting themselves up so well for the future. Word of mouth, familiarity, understanding what works and doesn't work. Um, so that, I want to thank you for your time. Uh, my contact information is on there. I love to talk about this subject. I, I'm passionate about it, not just because I am a green <laughs> member of the, the workforce, um, but uh, again, if anyone has any, any comments or, or questions or wants to chat afterward, here I am. And I'm supposed to remind you to, if you like my session, to evaluate it. If you don't like it, don't bother. You don't need to go in. Um, thank you so much. This concludes this episode of What's Next. Want to record a podcast of your own? Have an idea or point of view you'd like to share? Visit cornetglobal.org to learn more.